The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. This message today comes with a warning. You may be offended by this message. It may make you very uncomfortable. I've noticed something. A number of listeners have said to me, Pastor, A number of people at the National Prayer Chapel have said, Pastor, you preach on repentance. You preach on holiness. Isn't there something else to preach about? 
No. And some of you listen, and then you begin to be bored and tired of the message about holiness, and you begin to be bored and uncomfortable with the message about repentance from your sin and turning and submitting entirely to the Lord Jesus. And you turn your face aside. You're tired of it. You don't want to hear it anymore. And so you stop listening. And some of you are right now at that very point. You're not sure you're going to listen to Pilgrim's Progress anymore. You're not going to come to the National Prayer Chapel because, come on, I'm I'm tired of hearing that. I want to hear about, about things that will make me feel good. I want to hear things that will give me an education. I want to learn more. You're not going in depth sufficiently, Pastor, for my quest for knowledge. Because you worship knowledge. So what do we do? Should I stop preaching repentance and holiness and stop confronting you with your sin? Because some of you have said, Pastor, you know, I'm not sinning. I've left all known sin. I don't walk in any known sin. So, hey, ease up on me. No, no. No. It's not time to ease up. It's time to get more serious. You see, the problem is that you hear the word of God. But the word of God must be put into practice. There are very painful and difficult questions we have to deal with. I had a dream last night. I'd awakened about 3.30 and I was very troubled. I was very troubled about this issue. And I went back to sleep. And then I saw trays of raw meat carried in front of me, ready for the fire. But I was so full of myself in the dream that this mature man came to me, my boss. I I think he was representing God. And he said to me, Ray, what's going on? Well, I feel this and I feel that and, and I'm frustrated about this and, and it feels like nothing is happening. And, if it, and he said, he, he lifted his hands. He said, have you finished yet? No, I have to have some answers. I have to have some, some solutions to these things. He lifted his hands again. He said, are you finished? Yes, I'm finished. All right, let's go to work. And I woke up again. See, it's not in in knowing the information. It's putting the information into practice. Now, I've I've studied the Word of God all of my life. I have intensely studied it for the last 30 years. Reading it from Genesis to Revelation, going in depth. But my purpose has not been to find out a deeper understanding of the information in the Scriptures. My focus has been, how am I going to enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and be filled with his power and be useful to him in the work of the gospel? I am not interested in more information except as it has to do with with my eternal salvation and your eternal salvation. I have a one-track mind. I want Jesus. 
I want to lift Jesus up. And frankly, some of you are so busy earning your money, taking care of your family, shopping, taking care of your toys, doing your hobbies, watching your shows. You don't have an interest in entering much more deeply into Jesus because you say, hey, look, I know about holiness. I know about walking with Jesus. I know. No, you don't. You haven't even begun to enter in yet. I'm I'm a I'm a beginner at this and I've spent my whole life at it. And I know some of you are going to say, well, you know, Pastor, if you're a beginner and, and you haven't entered in, what chances are many are called and few are chosen? Many are called and few are chosen. You've been called and you have seen the glory of God. But now are you willing to put into practice the radical life that you will learn in the school of the Holy Spirit? Can I be straight with you? Some of you are just fat and happy in your wonderful American life. Or you're absorbed in the crisis that's in your life, in your health, or in your family. You're consumed by handling all of your money and all of your life issues. And you'll listen to the sermon and And you might even dip in and listen to 10 or 15 minutes of Pilgrim's Progress, and then you're on your way. What? When will you finally get as serious about Jesus as you are about your work, as you are about your health, as you are about your marriage or your proposed marriage? When will you get as serious about Jesus as you are about your hobbies? When will you decide that your salvation is the number one issue before you? And the salvation of your family is the number one issue before you. And the salvation of the lost. When will you decide you don't have power? You try to pray. You go through your list. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten people on your list. You pray for each one every day. Nothing happens. Well, nothing's going to happen because you've never prayed through on a promise. I said to a, a dear sister yesterday who is a widow, and she's praying for a husband. And I said to her, what is the promise that you're standing on for a husband? Well, I don't have a promise. Well, then, on what basis do you think God is going to answer your prayer when you have no promise to stand on? And God is a a God of covenant. He only operates by his promises. If you don't have a promise to stand on, you don't have a leg to stand on. I'm standing on the promise of Mark 11, 23 through 26. I'm praying it every day. I have very specific things that I need to have changed in my life. And I'm given by the Holy Spirit this promise in Mark 11, 23 to 26. And some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. You have no clue what Mark 11, 23 to 26 says. Look, it's not enough to have the information. You've got to go beyond that. This is not about just becoming friends with God. I do want to be friends with God. But this is not about just wanting to be friends with God. There's a much bigger deal going on here, and that is 
your salvation, your family's salvation. And some of you have just cast Jesus off and said, look, I know what I believe. I know what I think. I have my life. Leave me alone, pastor. And you blow out. You don't listen to Pilgrim's Progress. You don't donate to help cover the cost of the radio. You're fat and happy. You're on your way. I don't mean to be offensive. But I do call myself the pastor of Reelsville. It's time we get real with Jesus and with our own hearts and begin to say, wait a minute. It's not enough to say, hey, I'm not sinning in any known way before God. That's only first grade level. There's a lot beyond that. There's entering into an experiential, experimental walk with Jesus Christ in the school of the Holy Spirit. It means a total change in our culture. We're no longer going to live like wonderful Americans. We're going to come out of Babylon. We were called to be in the world, but not of the world. And frankly, many of you listening to this broadcast are still of the world. And you think by listening to this broadcast and checking the boxes and saying, okay, I've repented. I want to be holy. I'm on my way to heaven. No, you're not. You're not serious yet. You're still shallow. You're, you're still first grade level. You've been there a long time. I saw a little baby. A little baby was like three or four years old, and it still looked like an infant. It wasn't growing. It had a short expectancy for life. Some of you have been so-called Christians for years, but you're still babies. You've never really gotten serious about living as a radical Christian in the school of the Holy Spirit and allow him to take charge of your emotions. I understand this. This morning I I came to write the bills. This is the time of the month when I sit down and I write the rent check and I write the other bills that need to be covered, the utilities for the house. And I found my hand shaking. I said, what's going on? And I had to say, you know what? I'm really afraid. I know I have to go a lot deeper. I'm still immature. I've got to grow up in Jesus. I've got to stop being comfortable. I've got to go after God in a much deeper way than I have. Now, I'm being very frank with you. Most pastors will not say anything like this to you because they think you'll lose confidence in them. That's not an issue for me. I only do this broadcast for one reason, and that is to do everything in my power to secure your salvation and to speak to you in a manner that alerts you and awakens you and causes you to say, you know what, I'm still walking in a lot of wickedness. I'm still walking in my own flesh. I'm still walking in what I want. Well, there's a passage of Scripture I want to read for you. It's Psalm 15. Psalm 15. O Lord, who may abide in your house? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness. Not, please, 
not the person who says, oh, I'm righteous, I'm good, I'm good to go, everything's okay. No, 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 no. The Lord is interested in people who actually walk out what they claim to know. Sacrificial giving, fasting, prayer, not this polite little prayer of bless Mary with her sore toe and bless Bob with his job situation and And Lord, bless and bless and bless and bless. God is not a bless me God. Some of those things he sent into those people's lives were to grab a hold of their heart and get a hold of them and make them uncomfortable so that they will begin to search after the Almighty God. If you want to get serious about prayer, you're going to have to hear God's heart for that person. And that's not going to be a quick, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. Please, I'm not mad at you. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound like I'm mad. But I am very disturbed. I'm tired of shallow prayers. I'm tired of shallow religion. I'm tired of institutional faith. I'm tired of the rituals of the church. I'm sick of it. Go through the rituals of the church and then go have a a cigar party and gamble with nickels and somehow that's okay. Or go to the strip club. Or go shop and just pleasure yourself. Really? The Lord wants men and women who will do righteousness. Who will get serious with him about the sin issue in their own heart and in the culture, in their families. In the videos you watch in the places you go, in the things you do. It's not what you say in your heart. It's what you do out of your heart. For out of your heart comes the issues of life. Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Are you speaking truth in your heart, or are you covering up and pretending that you're good to go, but you know you're not? You know you're shallow and hard? You know you don't have the presence of God with you? I spoke with a brother yesterday. He's a brother I deeply love. His testimony was wonderful. He said he got a piece of paper and he wrote down everything he could think of that might be in disagreement with the Holy Spirit. And then he went through these one by one, repenting of each one and renouncing them. And when he was finished, he said, the peace and joy of the Lord came into his heart. I said, then you were heard by the Holy Spirit. Now walk it out. Walk it out. Don't think that you've finished the work yet. You have it. You have to walk it out. Don't go back to that pig pen. Haven't you had enough pig food? It's time to go home to the Father. Now he becomes very specific in Psalm 15 about what works of righteousness he means and what speaking the truth means in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue. He does not criticize other people. He does not condemn other people. He doesn't judge other people. Nor does evil to his neighbor. Nor take up reproach against his friend. 
you know, some of the most painful things that have happened to me in my life have been men and women who have said, Pastor Ray, you're part of our family. We're going to always walk together in Jesus. And then some foolish thing comes up and they hold a reproach against me in their heart and they cut me off and they're gone. I face that a lot because of the kind of messages I give on this radio broadcast. People get mad at me and they say, I don't like what you're saying, Pastor. I'm mad. I never forget. One day I said, don't have your family come together and call that church. That's not church. That's family. It's family worship. It's not church. Church is if you begin to invite other people to come into your family gathering. And when other people come in, now you're beginning to do church. Well, several brothers got really, really angry with me about that and hold a reproach in their heart cut me off and haven't spoken to me since. Okay. That's their issue. It's their problem. They've got to deal with that with Jesus. But I'm telling you, that's part of the painful part of walking in the Holy Spirit and speaking truth in our family circles and in our friendship circles. People will get angry and cut you off. Is that all right? Yes. in whose eyes a reprobate is despised. What is a reprobate? A reprobate is a person who rebels against the Almighty God, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. In other words, even when when it hurts me, I'm going to keep my word. Even if I disagree with a brother that I said, you're always going to be my brother, and he says or does something that offends me, I am going to forgive that brother. I'm not going to cut him off. Now, I'm going to have to make an honest confession. There was a time many years ago when I would just cut people off. If you're not going to help me build church, get out of my life. I don't want to see you again. I don't do that anymore. Life is too precious and too short to cut off anybody. And there are people who are angry because I've made mistakes. Yes. I make mistakes, serious ones, foolish ones. And they're mad. So I'm out of their life. Or they get angry at what I say. They get angry about this broadcast. Preacher, you were talking about me on the radio. Don't compliment yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying today? He does not put out his money at interest. If your family asks you for a loan, only give them what you can give them as a gift. And if they don't return it, don't cut them off and don't be angry. Just give it to them. I owed my my brother a great deal of money. For 20 years. I was never able to pay him back. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, now you have the money. You've just received it. Send it to your brother. He needs it. Well, I was in a place where I needed a new car. The Lord said, send it to your brother. So I sent the full amount to my brother, and he called me. And he said, Ray, I was getting desperate. He's five years older than I am. I was getting desperate. I needed a new car, and I didn't have the money to pay for it. And when the 
when the money came from that loan, I can buy a new car. Thank you. And I was so happy I had given him that money that I'd repaid it. I have repaid every debt I've ever had. I stand today totally, completely debt-free. I hope you're in the same place. If you're not, you need to get there. Get out of debt. Pay off your credit cards. Lay them before the Lord. Repent for having taken out the credit card debt. Now, I have several credit cards, and I use them as I need them, but only if I have the money in the bank to pay for that expense. I don't go in debt on credit cards or to people. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. I wanted to read that Psalm 15 passage for you to say, doing righteousness is something very specific. It is the actual way you live. It's not feelings. It's not emotions. It's actions. God is interested in your actions because your actions will say where your heart is at. Now, when we come to Genesis, the 14th chapter, we find five kings band together. Sodom and Gomorrah have been paying them an annual amount of money as tax. And they rebel. And so these five kings come against Sodom and Gomorrah and the other small towns, five towns, that are in this beautiful valley. And Lot is taken captive with his wife and his two daughters and all that he possesses. He's taken as a slave by this marauding group of five kings. A fugitive came and told Abram he was living over by the the oaks of Mamre, And he had two other men and their families who were aligned with him. They were allies. And when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he led out his trained men, born in his house, 318 men, armed and knew how to fight. He divided his forces, both his men and his allies, and at night they fell on these five unsuspecting kings who thought they were fat and happy and clear of all danger. And he defeated them. He powerfully defeated them. He should not have been able to. This was a miracle of God. Now Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram. And Abram gave him a tenth, gave him a tithe. Now he would not take anything from these five kings. He had a right to take everything They asked only for the people to return to the city and rebuild, and he gave them back everything that the kings had taken. Now, I want to share this with you to say, Sodom and Gomorrah saw literally the glory of God. They saw the glory of God. 
and it had no effect on them. They did not turn to the God of heaven. They did not turn from their sin. They were comfortable in their Sodom and Gomorrah culture. And there was Lot sitting right in the front gate as one of the wise men. Now the scriptures tell us that he was very disturbed by the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah and he he turned against it. He rebuked them, but not very much and not very formally. Now, I want to share this with you because all of you have seen the glory of God. You have seen in the scriptures the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have seen the glory of God. And in your own personal life, you have been delivered time after time. Many times you have been conscious of the deliverance that God has given you, but you have returned to your Sodom and Gomorrah. You have not repented. Oh, you might have made some slight changes in your life. You might have said, oh, I, I, I won't continue doing that. I'll cut that off. But essentially in your heart, having seen the glory of God, you have not gone to God and utterly, totally, completely submitted unto him and walked in righteousness. And the evidence of that is that you have no flock that you have brought to Jesus. You have not borne the fruit of righteousness. You have just been about you and your life. I praise God for one of our callers on on Friday who testified that he was desperately sick. And yet everywhere he went, he bore testimony that Jesus was the Christ. He handed out tracts. He invited people to follow Jesus. Would he be laughed at? Absolutely. We live in a wicked, wicked Sodom and Gomorrah culture and city. The call to repentance is not a popular call. And... When we reach that plateau where we say, okay, I've done everything I know. Now I can get on and take care of my life. Wrong. That's what I'm saying to you today. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm going to church and, and I'm going to a prayer meeting. What kind of prayer meeting? Are they on their faces repenting before go? Oh, we've already repented. Do you have the power? No. You haven't repented yet. It's not finished. It's got to be finished. I'm deeply troubled by those churches where they believe that you can never leave your sin, and yet they want the signs and the wonders. They want the healing. And so the kundalini spirit comes to them and and they become utterly deceived. And they don't walk in holiness. I hope you hear today. This has to change. Sodom and Gomorrah saw the glory of God. They saw the miracle of their deliverance in the physical realm. They saw the soldiers of Abraham come and deliver them and kill the much, much larger army that had marauded their cities. They saw that. The king of Sodom said, give me the people and you take the stuff. Instead of saying, Abraham. Who is your God? We repent. No. No. 
We like our Sodom and Gomorrah culture. We're back to homosexuality. We're back to all the foolishness of the wicked heart, illicit sex, gambling, going after money, filled with pride and slander and every unclean thing. The king of of Sodom was in a perfect place. What did he do in the crisis? He went and fell in a tar pit. He ran. He had no power to withstand these kings because he had no God presence. If you do not have the presence of God, you can see the glory of God in your life. You can see him deliver you. But if you're not standing on a promise for righteousness and holiness, if you're not turning aside and finally getting serious about your prayer life, you're in trouble. You'll see the glory of God, but you will not find the deliverance. God may deliver you this time. But read Genesis 19. We'll go there tomorrow. It's the doom of Sodom and Gomorrah where they are burned with with fire. Why are they burned with fire? Because they've seen the glory of God. They rejected their deliverance. And instead they went right back to their wickedness. You have seen the glory of God in this broadcast. I have lifted up Jesus. Now what are you going to do about it? Say, I don't like Pastor Ray's sermons. I mean, one one precious woman said, I don't want to go hear Pastor Ray preach. It feels like everybody's going to go to hell. Well, she's right. Many are called, but few are chosen. She's She's on the path to hell. And she doesn't like being told that. She considers herself a wonderful Christian, even though she lives like the world. I want to just say a couple of quick things. Joanne from Florida, thank you. I received your tithe. I appreciate it. Cheryl, what a surprise to hear from you. I'm glad your sister told you about the broadcast. Thank you for your sacrificial offering. Dirk, thank you. Some of you are stepping in here at this last minute. We're still not there. We still don't have enough to cover this month's radio broadcast, but I'm standing by faith that God is going to move in your heart and you are going to give and the Holy Spirit will cover the cost because he wants this very straight, honest word, unvarnished, spoken over this city. Either to turn the heart of this city and this nation toward the Lord or to give a basis for God's judgment against this nation. God brings forth a Jeremiah and no one listens and they're utterly cast out and Babylon comes and burns their city. That is one part of what we have to do as honest pastors and preachers. We have to tell the truth. And then you have to decide, after seeing the glory of God and understanding what Jesus has done for us, whether you're going to actually live out this gospel of Jesus or whether you're going to be foolish like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and the fire will come and burn this nation. I warned you, you wouldn't like this broadcast. I'm not here to be pleasing to you. I'm here to call you to a very serious place in Jesus. And some of you are very good Christians, but you're shallow. You don't truly enter into the prayer closet. You have your list, your hit list of things you pray for, but you don't go deeper and say, Lord, what's the issue behind this wickedness in this man's heart? You've got to go down there. 
and go down there with yourself. To repent means I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to do what I've not done before. So that's where we're at. I love you. I praise God for you. I'm not mad at you. I don't mean to offend you. But I'm responsible to God. I'm responsible to the Holy Spirit. And your blood will be on my hands if I don't speak honestly with you. And I don't want your blood on my hands. I want you to secure the salvation of your souls through honest, deep diving in the school of the Holy Spirit and stopping this shallow nonsense of the American church. There are many of you, I, Mike, I need to thank you. There are many others I need to thank. And by the way, if you've tried to call me in the month of January and I have not answered, or you've texted me and I've not answered, it's because my phone has been out of commission. Last night, I finally have a phone that is functioning, but I don't, I lost in the process of the transition over at the Verizon store where they tried to repair my phone, I lost all of my contacts. So I'm having to rebuild my contact list. So if I've not called you back, please call me again or text me. You know what? Jesus is wonderful. And I want to pray with you. Lord, I know this broadcast has not been easy to listen to. It's not been easy to give. But I know one thing, Lord. I'm done with all shallow living. I submit to every area of my heart and ask that you would do that transforming work entirely and finish it in me. And I ask for the power to, to speak honestly your word. I ask for the power of your convicting Holy Spirit in the life of each person who I've spoken with today. Lord, forgive me if I have spoken out of my human spirit, any word that has offended a brother or sister. But I ask that you take us much deeper. Lord, I ask that you come and make us as serious about you as we are about our rent or mortgage or car payment or, or vacation or hobbies or any. Lord, I ask that you come and just crash all of that. And, and call us, Lord Jesus, to yourself. Call us to a life of conviction and turning away from sin. Lord, expose the shallowness of my own heart. And yes, Lord, I'm finished. I'm here to do your work. I'm here to obey and speak your word. Even if it makes me uncomfortable, and it does. Lord, I ask that your glory could be seen in this nation once again. Lord, I know this nation is going to burn. I know that we are the Sodom and Gomorrah of our day. We have seen your glory. In wonderful manifestations, we have seen your glory. And yet we have not turned from our wickedness. We have gone even more deeply into the Sodom and Gomorrah culture. Lord, I ask you to please change what's happening in America. 
Would you remove our wicked president and vice president? Would you remove those wicked men and women in the judicial branch and in the legislative branch? Would you clean up our government? Lord, we have a corrupt government for a corrupt people. Lord, there's been a a scam that's been pulled over the American people's eyes, and we have we have just bought it hook, line, and sinker. Lord, forgive us. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. That Psalm 91 is right. We can trust you. You will deliver us. You will lift us up and establish us in righteousness. So, Lord, I thank you for today's broadcast. Thank you, Jesus. I ask for your blessing on every person who has listened. Would you draw their hearts to you? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, write to me. National Prayer Chapel. Three words. National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. And I thank each of you who has done so. I also invite you, if you're in the Washington metro area, to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. As you can imagine, we are not a large congregation. Someone will come and visit, and then we never see them again because they're very uncomfortable with the accountability and the honesty. Okay, I understand. I pray that I pray that you will come. We're in Woodbridge, Virginia. We start praying at quarter of ten. And you can call me seven oh three four eight nine one seven eight five and I can give you directions or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Well, my brother, my sister, God bless you. Leave a comment on our, on our webpage and please subscribe to our webpage if you haven't already. I'll talk to you soon.